Hey, it's Brian with a quick announcement before we get started. You know, this time of year especially, we're always aware of how quickly time flies. So let me suggest to you that it's not too early to start thinking now about your Christmas shopping for 2022. And I've got the perfect recommendation for all the Christmas lovers in your life. Christmas Past The Book is coming in the fall of 2022 from Lions Press. Stay connected with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates on events, giveaways, pre-ordering, publication dates, all that stuff. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. It was a red sweatshirt, and I bought material that was all poinsettias, and I would iron it onto the sweatshirt, and then I would put glitter paint on it, and I would put the paint around the edges that became um, rip puffy. I'm talking to my mom about one of the more memorable visuals from my Christmases growing up. Mom was all about handmade crafts all throughout the year, and of course at Christmas time our home would be decorated with all manner of things made of felt and glue and ribbon, crocheted cozies and personalized Christmas stockings stitched together at our heavy old sewing machine. Many of those items still exist today, either at my mom's house or spread out among me and my siblings. And many others live on only in the photos tucked away in bookcases and attics. And in many of those pictures, you can see my mom in another one of her handmade creations, appliqued and glitter-glued and bedazzled to Christmassy perfection, a Christmas sweater. And she just may qualify as a pioneer in this field. When was this? Oh, gosh. I would say, like, say, let's just guess around 85 or 84 or 85. And hers were sweaters that only the 1980s could have produced. That decade when thick-knit, oversized sweaters with bold patterns and highly contrasting colors, and maybe even some shoulder pads thrown in for good measure, weren't the retro statements they are now. They were simply the fashion of the day. Which, if you're getting a sense for the kind of person my mom is, also meant that she didn't stop at Christmas. And I did it for Easter. I did it for St. Patty's Day with a big teddy bear on the front with a green hat on. I did it for all the holidays, but Christmas, I put glitter on it to make them even prettier. I did it just because I love things that are Christmas, and it just was so pretty when I wore it. I got lots of compliments, and, you know, I was proud that I made it myself. The Christmas sweater, known alternatively as the ugly sweater or the Christmas jumper if you're on the other side of the Atlantic, has just exploded in popularity in the last decade. More than just seasonal party attire, it's a whole cultural phenomenon and a whole big industry. How did the idea of a nice festive sweater to wear during the holiday season go on to become the stuff of ironic fashion, edgy humor, and raucous parties? Well, it may have all started in a nursing home in Canada. I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past. Nowadays, we know them as ugly sweaters, but in their first incarnation, they weren't meant to be ugly, of course. They first appeared in the 1950s and featured designs like reindeer and snowflake patterns. They wouldn't have looked out of place in a ski lodge and had familiar Nordic appearances. These sweaters, sometimes referred to as not Christmas sweaters, but rather Jingle Bell sweaters, were available as retail items or as knitting patterns. And while they didn't exactly take off, some well-known media personalities like Andy Williams embraced them and helped to make them more visible. But as time went on and music from the likes of Andy Williams started to be seen as stale or old-fashioned, so too did the kitschy sweaters that were associated with them. 
And it would take the Christmas sweater going out of style for it to come back in all its ironic glory. The first phase of this was sometime in the 1980s, and that was perfect timing for a guy named Evan Mendelson. I was born in 84, and I remember you know, my parents having some in their closet and seeing them throughout the 80s and 90s being worn, not necessarily for any sort of novelty reason, but because they were kind of considered more trendy or people would wear them to the ski slopes. And Now, Evan has a special connection to all of this, and we're going to get back to that in a moment. But he, like me, grew up seeing Christmas sweaters in the 1980s. And it was also a time when there were two distinct camps. People like my mom, making festive sweaters for the fun and creativity of it, and people poking fun at those original sweaters from the 1950s. Like in the 1989 movie National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where the main character, Clark Griswold, is shown wearing old-fashioned Christmas sweaters, mainly as a way to portray him as being out of touch or over the top in his Christmas spirit. And then, for about a decade, all was quiet. There were still Christmas sweaters, of course, but they weren't big retail sellers or featured in popular culture. In fact, if you wanted to find one, your best bet was to look in a thrift store or a retirement home. Which, actually, is exactly what happened. It happened when a Canadian man by the name of Chris Boyd was working in a retirement home in Vancouver in the early 2000s. And he'd see many of the grandmothers wearing these sweaters at Christmas time. And that got him wondering about getting one for himself. So he and his friend Jordan decided to throw a party in 2002 held at their friend Scott's house where everyone was expected to arrive in such a Christmas sweater, which they referred to as ugly Christmas sweaters. Two years later, they ramped things up and held what is, as far as anyone can tell, the first ever public ugly sweater party at a pub. And as demand grew, they eventually had to move things to a large event space. As the trend grew, other sweater parties started popping up all over the place, and that brings us back to our friend Evan. Seeing the ugly Christmas sweater trend starting to emerge uh, in 2010 and starting to go to these parties myself and realizing that there was no place to buy Christmas sweaters, both in retail and online, it, it was kind of a culmination of all those factors that, that led me to uh, want to start Tipsy Elf. Evan was an attorney, but he always had an interest in business and entrepreneurship. And he thought this growing sweater trend might be something. I hacked together very rudimentary designs. Uh, we had we started with 10 in our first year and then trying to figure out where to manufacture them. I had a few friends from business school that had a little bit of experience with e-commerce. So just, just tried to piece all the pieces together. And then from a, in terms of getting the word out, our first year, we were able to get the site ranking number one for the term ugly Christmas sweater. And that really fueled our sales. If you're a fan of the TV show Shark Tank, you may have seen Evan in the 2013 season pitching the sharks to invest in his sweater company, Tipsy Elves. Today, the company has 30 full-time employees and over $100 million in sales. They're part of an industry that has seen astronomical growth. Fueled by celebrities lending their names to product lines, major brands licensing the use of their characters, social media and public events, and, at least in recent years, a sort of competition to have the gaudiest, tackiest, edgiest sweater possible. Which leaves us wondering, where can it go from here? Are we witnessing the birth of a modern Christmas tradition, something that's going to last? Or are we simply witnessing a fad that will run its course? 
Evan has some ideas about that. I don't know that it's going to go up a ton from here. At, at this point, you know, most people who are attending ugly Christmas sweater parties, there's only going to be so, there can only be so many parties. There can only be so many people looking to buy them, and and it's and they're pretty well known at this point. I think it may be like close to the top plateauing, but I also don't know that it would it will go back down much. It's a tradition that people enjoy. I think objectively, it, it does feel like it's here to stay. Well, you know, a Christmas sweater is a great way to look and feel festive during this most wonderful time of the year. But if you're someone who spends a lot of time working in a uniform, like a UPS driver, say, well, then you'll need to find another way to get the Christmas feels. Just like Maddie in Kentucky does. For the past three Christmases, I have been working at UPS, and Christmas is obviously a very busy time of year for us. We work six to seven days, many hours, so we can make sure that all the presents are underneath the Christmas tree um, on the morning. And we're kind of like Santa's elves, <laughs> but it's pretty hard to get into the Christmas spirit because we don't have the time to do the traditions that we normally do, like baking cookies or watching movies. Um, but I have been listening to your podcast for the past two Christmases to help me get into the spirit while I'm at work. And it has made the biggest difference. This year is my first Christmas off of UPS. I graduated from college, so I no longer work there. And I am still going to be listening to your podcast. So um, I'm so glad to have incorporated your podcast into my yearly Christmas tradition. So yeah, that's my Christmas memory is listening to your podcast to get me through those long, long nights um, at UPS. So thank you. Hey, thanks so much for the kind words, Maddie. This is why I do what I do, to help make your season just that little bit extra special and Christmassy. And while I'm grateful to Maddie for listening to Christmas Past, I'll remind her and all of you that there are many wonderful Christmas podcasts to choose from, and that number grows every season. To try to stay on top of all of that, I created the Definitive Guide to Christmas Podcasts. Check out the show notes to this episode for a link or just Google Definitive Guide to Christmas Podcast and find a few that suit your tastes to add to your playlist. But before you do any of that, do this. Record a voice memo into your phone describing one of your favorite Christmas memories and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. There's still time to share a memory this season, and hearing and sharing those memories is my favorite part of doing this show season after season. Just keep it reasonably short, clean and family-friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California by yours truly, Brian Earle. Thanks so much to Evan Mendelson and Maddie in Kentucky, and thank you, Mom. And of course, thank you for listening and being part of the Christmas Past family and for all of the wonderful messages you've been sending me recently. Let's stay connected all throughout the season. Find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and join our private Christmas Past Facebook group. You can drop me a line anytime with a Christmas memory or just to say hi. Again, the address is christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're really feeling the Christmas spirit, why not help more people discover this show? It's as easy as telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do leave a review, I'll send you a Christmas Past sticker and a handwritten Christmas card is my way of saying thanks. Reach out for details on that. I'll be back again in just a couple of days with an all-new episode. Until then, may your days be merry and bright.